not to eat much all day so that you can have all the more room for the good stuff of Thanksgiving. You help your family get all the food ready. You pack everything into the car and you then drive an hour and finally arrive at your grandparents where all the family gets together for the holidays. You get out of the car, you help unload all the stuff, but then for the actual dinner, rather than going inside and finding a seat and digging in, you choose to stand outside by the bushes, watching your family eat Thanksgiving dinner from the window and never actually take a bite. You're close, but you never actually encounter the experience. That would be so sad, am I right? That'd be very sad, and I don't know why anyone would ever do that. Yet, this is what many people do week in and week out in their relationship with Jesus. They are around Jesus, they're around Jesus's people, but they never actually encounter him. They may even believe in him, but they never receive him for themselves. They are mere spectators, but not participators. And the Bible says that you and I are to taste and see that the Lord is good. And today we're going to read about a man who had a real encounter with Jesus that changed his life forever. Yes, we're reading about a story about a man named Zacchaeus. Have you guys ever heard of about a story named Zacchaeus? Well, that's the story we're looking at today. Now, we're going to pick it up in this gospel narrative of Luke chapter 19. And when we pick it up here, we find Jesus concluding his earthly ministry. It's in this very chapter that the triumphal entry will happen. That is what we know as Palm Sunday. He's getting close to the end of his earthly ministry. The cross is coming up quick. This will be his last time that he travels from the Galilee region down to Jerusalem. And on this final journey, you can look at chapter 18. He comes across the rich young ruler in chapter 18. He tells the disciples on his way to Jerusalem that, that he is going to be dying and he is going to be buried and he's going to be raised again, but they don't really get it. And then right before this story, look in your Bibles in chapter 18, you'll notice the, the heading, he heals someone who is blind. And that's kind of the context as we come to this. He is nearing the end, but before he gets to Jerusalem, there's a certain city that he must go through because there's a certain man that he must meet with. And that name, that man is none other than Zacchaeus. So let's read Luke chapter 19. This will be our text for the day, just 10 verses, verses one through 10. And then we'll pray and we'll dive into God's word. Okay. So listen, this is the initial time that we read the text. This is the most important time of the entire Bible study. If you zone out while I read this, then you'll be lost for the entire time we're together. But I believe if you can give God your attention and focus and consideration, then he can speak to you as he speaks, as he spoke to me today and, and studying the text, as we give God our focus, then God will give us understanding. So I'm going to read starting in verse one, and we'll read down to verse 10 and we'll pray. 
All right, Bible's open. All right, follow along. If you've got to use your pointer finger, then go ahead and do that. A word, exactly. Verse 1. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. Verse 5, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they complained, all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Let's pray together. Fathers, we come to this story, a story that we might all know, a certain children's ministry song. Lord, about Zacchaeus being this wee little man, this wee little man was he. Lord, as we come to this story today that we might be familiar with, or maybe for some they've never heard of this guy named Zacchaeus who climbed up into a tree. God, we know that this this encounter was placed in Luke chapter 19 for a reason. There's something there for us to learn. There's something there for us to grasp and understand that through this story, we are able to see who you are in a clearer way. We are able to see what you want for our lives in a deeper way. And so God, we pray that you'd open our eyes to the truth of the Bible, that we might draw close to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. All right, so we are looking first at the path and the pursuits. We're going to break this up into three uh, rather simple parts. We're going to be first looking at verses one through four. Uh, These first couple verses set the scene for us regarding this short encounter. You guys are supposed to laugh at that, okay? Now, let me ask you, what city does Jesus enter and plan to pass through? Look at verse 1 in your Bibles. What is the city that Jesus plans to enter and pass through? Joe. Jericho. Now, you guys know about the city of Jericho? We obviously see this in the Old Testament in the book of Joshua. The walls came down. But this was a city that was very close to Jerusalem. Uh, It was not too far away. And Jesus is close to entering Jerusalem. This would have just been uh, a little distance away. Uh, But before entering Jerusalem, verse 1 tells us very clearly that he has this intention to enter and pass through, to pass through. He didn't need to pass through Jericho, but he chose to. 
Now, verse 2 introduces us to a new individual that we have not yet seen in the book of Luke. We are given four details regarding this person. I want you to look at verse 2 and give me one, not two, not three, not four, but give me just one detail regarding this person. Yes, sir. He's rich, okay? That's, that's one detail. Yep. Okay, so we get his, his, he's wealthy, and we get his occupation. He's a chief tax collector. Josh, he was, no, that, that, look at verse 2. Look at verse 2. We learn that later on, but yes, he is short. That is true. But according to verse 2, there's, there's four. We got two. Yeah. He was a man, exactly. And there's one more detail that I'm looking for about this individual. Yeah, his name was Zacchaeus, all right? So we find out some things. We find out he's a man. We find out his name is Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus in Hebrew means pure one, one who is pure, which is really funny in light of his occupation because his, his occupation was, in a sense, just sinful. Uh, what he did, no doubt, included taking advantage of people. We find his work and his wealth. He was a chief tax collector. Now, that's something that, uh, of course, we still have to this day. Uh, but the, the connotation and the, the type of reputation that would come with this job uh, was something that is important for us to note down. At first glance, both his work and his wealth would seem like huge hindrances to be able to follow Jesus, especially in the chapter before, he just spoke to a rich young ruler who literally chose his riches over following Jesus, and he went away sorrowful. And Jesus in that chapter, right before chapter 18, he actually warns. He says, it is hard for a rich man to enter into heaven. And yet, here in Jericho, he comes across one who's a chief tax collector. Now, this is the only time in Scripture that we find this type of job. We find Matthew, Levi, one of the 12, who was a tax collector. But you see, Zacchaeus is unique because he was a chief tax collector. He was director over other collectors. He was one who had authority over them. In a sense, he was a tax collector of tax collection. Now, Again, I might be talking about tax collecting, and you're like, I don't really understand what you're saying. Well, tax collecting was extremely corrupt under the Roman government. We know at this time in history, it was the Romans who ruled over Israel and demanded taxes to Caesar. Do you remember when Jesus was posed with the question of if we should pay taxes? You see, this was the atmosphere. And so these Romans, who were the oppressors over Israel... They would come to the Jews and they would, they would offer them a job. They would say, you collect taxes for us and we'll take care of you. And any Jew that would take the job would be extremely hated by his people uh, who wanted the Roman rulership off their backs. And so they would then become hated individuals, but there was opportunity for great riches. In turn... These Jews who would say, yes, I'll work for you, Rome, would then often become corrupt. They would take even more than Rome required them to take because they could. They had the support of the Roman government behind them. And so there's no doubt that Zacchaeus' wealth comes 
from his work. His confession at the end of the account indicates to us that he would have been one of those who took advantage of people. Essentially, he would steal, but he would do it legally through the Roman government, through his own people, for his own selfish desires. And so this is the introduction to this man, Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was certainly wealthy. Now, after these intro verses, the story continues. I want you to look there at verse uh, 3, and we find something that Zacchaeus is seeking. What is Zacchaeus seeking? Someone tell me. Yeah. Yeah, he's seeking after Jesus. Notice verse 3. He sought to see who Jesus was. Sought. This word means to seek, to try and get something one desires. Now, at this point in the story, we don't know Zacchaeus's true motive or intent, but it seems clear that he had previously heard about Jesus and wanted to encounter him. He heard that Jesus had come into town, and no doubt there would have been a mass amount of crowd that would have walked with Jesus through the city, seeking to see him. Remember, this is towards the end of Jesus's ministry, meaning there's been approximately three years of public ministry. His name has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. Yet, we find in verse 3 that there are two hindrances that come in between Zacchaeus seeing Jesus. Can anyone, anyone give me one of the two hindrances? Lincoln. Yeah, he was short. And what's the other? Cambria. There was a large crowd. Okay, so we got the crowd plus his height. These are two hindrances to him seeking Jesus. Have you guys ever been in a crowd when someone famous is near? People go nuts. People go crazy. When they see someone famous, they lose their marvels, they lose their minds, and they don't know. They just, they're just like, I just need to go and see them. What are you going to do? Well, like, I just want to like see them and talk to them. People go crazy. And so there would have been this atmosphere of congestion. And we're told that he, he wasn't able to see, not only because of the crowd, maybe Zacchaeus was nervous to go toward the crowd of Jews because he was as hated as he was. We don't know. But we do know this, that he was of short stature. And this combination of the two wouldn't allow him to see Jesus as he wanted to do as he passed by. And so we see here that Zacchaeus had heard about Jesus, but that wasn't enough for him. He wanted to see him. He wanted to encounter him firsthand. And so rather than letting anything get in his way, he comes up with a solution. I want you to, again, tell me, what are the two actions that Zacchaeus takes in verse 4 to get around these hindrances? He sees the hindrances and he takes two actions. Look there in verse 4 and see if you can give me one of them. Yeah, Chase. Yeah, so he runs ahead. Two actions we find. He runs ahead. And then secondly, he climbs up a tree. He climbs up a tree. And what was it for? It was to see him. Verse 4 says that he did this to see him. This is the path that Jesus would have gone down, most likely the main road in Jericho. And specifically, for some reason, it notes to us that he climbs up a sycamore tree. 
And let me ask you, what kind of people are typically always running and trying to climb on stuff? Yeah, Ben. Criminals, that's hilarious. Not what I'm, 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 that was amazing. Uh, True, not exactly what I'm looking for here. Yeah, Santi. Yeah, little kids, right? Especially boys. Boys, I feel like, I mean, girls run and climb, but there's something about, does anyone have younger brothers? Right, they just, uh, and maybe you're like, you have not seen my younger sister. She runs and climbs on everything. Listen, I want you to picture this. Zacchaeus would have been widely known in the city. He would have been feared. He would have been hated. Yet he would have been respected in the sense of people didn't want to mess with Zacchaeus. He would have had a reputation. Yet notice here, he neglects his dignity and runs and climbs so that he might get a peek at Jesus. In Eastern culture, it is disgraceful for an older man to run, and especially that of a wealthy government official. This would have been something somewhat embarrassing on his part. This would have been something that, that people would have seen and say, what is he doing? The only thing, though, that Zacchaeus cared about at this point was encountering Jesus. And no amount of embarrassment would hold him back. Not his job, not his past, not embarrassment, nothing. Zacchaeus at this moment certainly became like a little child. Luke 18, 17, just a, the chapter before, right? We're in Luke 19. So just the chapter before, we're told that Jesus didn't forbid the children to come to him, but, but spoke with the children and then said this, Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. You see, Zacchaeus was willing to humble himself in this way, and it didn't matter. You see, the idea when Jesus says this, it's the idea of of little kids don't really care about their reputation. They have faith, and they do things according to what they believe. And so Zacchaeus knew where Jesus was headed and positioned himself accordingly. He pla- Listen, he placed himself in the path of Jesus, and now he waits up in the sycamore tree. Secondly, in verses 5 and 6, we have the request and response. Verses 1 through 4, we had the path and the pursuit. And in verses 5 through 6, we have the request and the response. And so the story goes on. And just as Zacchaeus planned, Jesus passes by the pathway that was expected. Yet rather than Jesus just walking by, he stops. And look in your Bibles and tell me, what does Jesus initially do? What does he do? Joe. Yeah, so we're told that he looks up. And then secondly, look, look in that very same verse, there's something else that he does. He looks up and then what? Yeah, he sees him, and then there's, there's one more thing that he does. He looks up, he sees him, and does what? Yeah. He talks to him. He speaks to him. He stops, he looks up, he sees him, and he begins to speak to him. Now, the striking thing about this is that Jesus seems to already know him, though he has never met him. And he not only knows his name, he says right off the bat, 
Look in your Bibles. He says Zacchaeus. He knows his name and he knows his heart. He says, come down. He says, I'm coming over today. He knows his heart, his desire to see him. It's clear that these two had never met, yet Jesus knew him. Zacchaeus had only heard about Jesus, but it was Jesus who already knew his desires. I want you to note down John 10, 3. In this passage of scripture, when speaking about a, uh, an illustration regarding sheep, and he's the shepherd, Jesus says this, to him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, he's speaking really of himself, and he calls his own sheep by, what does it say? By name, and leads them out. I just think it's significant that he calls them by his name. He doesn't say, hey, small little man up in the tree, come down. No, he says Zacchaeus. He already knew his name, and he tells them to come down with haste. He says, hurry up. He doesn't say, hey, take your time, make sure you're careful. No, he says, come down now. Because listen, when Jesus calls, it's always now, it's never later. You guys hear me? That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. When Jesus calls either us to himself or calls us to do something, it's never later, it's always in action now. And Jesus tells him, for I must stay at your house. Isn't that funny? For I must stay at your house. He doesn't say, I'd like to come over. He just says, I must. He says, I must stay at your house. Jesus invites himself over in a way and says it in a way that seems like he had planned it all along. He's like, yeah, I was planning. I was going to go through Jericho. I'm going to come over. This has been the plan. And so this encounter takes place. And I believe it's here at this, this moment that we see the real reason Jesus passed through Jericho and it was none other than this divinely planned encounter. I want you to get this. It was in Zacchaeus' pursuit of Jesus where we find that Jesus was in pursuit of Zacchaeus all along. You see, the story opens up and it seems like, man, Zacchaeus is doing what he needs to. He's running. He's climbing trees. And it seems like Jesus, at first, is just walking by and happens to see him. I don't think that's exactly what's going on here. I believe Jesus knew Zacchaeus was in the tree. I believe he walked not only that way, but through that city because Jesus was already planning on staying with him. It was part of Jesus' schedule all along. This is how Nathaniel would have felt when he met Jesus. Nathaniel, one of the 12, John chapter 2, verse 47 and 48, we don't talk much about uh, this disciple, but it's an incredible encounter. Go read John chapter 2. It's very fun. Sorry, I think it's John chapter 1. Don't listen to that. It says John 2. It's John 1, verses 47 through 48. I'm pretty sure. But it says this. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of the disciple Nathanael. Okay, so he's, he's definitely not one of the more popular ones. But, it, but Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, They've never met. Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit. He saw that he was someone that wanted to follow God. And Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, he's the one who introduced Nathanael to Jesus. 
when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. See, Jesus knew Nathaniel before he ever met him. We see this with Peter. The first time Jesus encounters Peter in the same kind of passage, he actually gives him a new name. He says, hey, you know, you're Peter, but now you're going to be called, uh, or your name is Simon, but now you're going to be called Cephas or Peter or small pebble. So back in our story, Jesus looks up, speaks to him, tells him to come down, and then three actions are given to us about how Zacchaeus responds. Look in your Bibles there at verse 6 and tell me one of the actions that Zacchaeus takes. What does he do? Someone who hasn't given me an answer yet. Yeah. Okay, so he, he makes haste. Yep. Then secondly, someone who hasn't given me an answer. Yeah. Yes. So, so he receives them joyfully, but right before that, what does he do? Yeah. Yeah, he came down. So he makes haste. He's like, he, he listens to Jesus. He's in a hurry. He comes down from the tree and we're told that he receives him or the word is to welcome in. The word literally means as one would open a door for a guest, Zacchaeus says, I'm in. You're coming over today. You know, I love the frankness on Jesus's part. He just kind of says, hey, I'm coming over. He won't force his way in, but this is kind of, this is what Jesus does even in our own lives. The Bible describes that Jesus knocks on the door of our lives. Revelation chapter three, verse 20, Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. See, this is Jesus's desire, not just for you to even follow him, but for him to have fellowship with you. See, at that time, Jesus saying to Zacchaeus, I want to come to your house was a big thing. It was a big thing. It represented this association. It represented him willing to, to, to come to Zacchaeus' level. Remember who he is. Remember how he is hated by Jews. He is hated by his own people. He would have been an outcast. Now, yes, he would have been rich. He would have been powerful. He would have been feared, but he would have been hated. Yet this is the exact man that Jesus says, I want to hang out with you. And Jesus would have the same type of, of thing for each one of us. He would say, I want to hang out with you, which is a wild reality. Because just over a week from this point, this encounter with Zacchaeus, he was going to be going to the cross. Jesus could have done anything, enjoyed any last things, but he chose to come to Zacchaeus's house. And then finally, verses seven through 10, we find the complaints and the confession. All right, we started with the path and the pursuit. This was the path that Jesus was going down. And though it appeared that Zacchaeus was really the one that was pursuing Jesus, it was Jesus pursuing and setting Zacchaeus up the whole time. We saw how there was the request and we saw the response of receiving him joyfully. Now we come to verses seven through 10. Notice with me verse eight, or sorry, verse seven we see that this whole encounter was public, right? There was the crowd. There was a lot of people around. And so same with this reaction 
uh, this response, this request, Jesus stops. That means everyone else stops. Everyone else sees Zacchaeus, and they're probably like, why is he up in a tree? And then he asks him to come down. We see this somewhat, what most likely would have been an embrace. Everyone was watching, the people of Jericho, the 12 disciples. And as the crowd sees this encounter, tell me, look at verse 7, what is their reaction? What is their reaction? Yes, sir. Yeah, they complained. They complained. It says, when they saw it, they all complained. Now, we don't exactly know who they are. It's not given. But given the context of the gospel accounts, we have a pretty good idea that it most likely involved the spiritual religious leaders or those who appeared that way, who would have complained against Jesus and Zacchaeus. The, the scribes or Pharisees were notorious for getting on Jesus for the type of people that he chose to minister to. You guys have your Bibles open still? So look back in chapter 18. It should only be maybe a page over or even on the same page. But back in chapter 18, if you look at verses 9 through 14, it's really interesting. Jesus addresses this very thing. And I don't think it's a coincidence. He talks about a Pharisee and a tax collector. And he gives this parable. It's a fake story to illustrate a truth. And I don't think it's a coincidence that just a little bit after this, he would have ran into not only a tax collector, but a chief tax collector. Look at verse nine there in chapter 18. We're told that he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. This is exactly what was happening. So those in the crowd said, why would Jesus go to his house? Why would he hang out with him? And we're told that Jesus tells this story. Look at verse 10 of Luke chapter 18. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. Can you imagine? Pharisee looks over says, thank God I'm not this guy. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I possess. And a tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other for, who exalts, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. See, we see Zacchaeus display this humility by running, climbing, and receiving Jesus. And so we're told in this story that Zacchaeus responds after this complaint. But look in your Bibles. I want you to tell me, look, look there for yourself. Tell me, who does Zacchaeus respond to? Two, does he respond to the crowd's complaint or does he respond to Jesus about the complaint? Someone who hasn't answered yet. Yes, sir, Randy. Yeah, he responds directly to Jesus, his Lord. And there are two things in his response. Look in your Bibles there in verse eight. He says, look, Lord. And there are two actions 
that Zacchaeus commits to doing. He had not yet done these. It's only a quick interaction. There are two actions. I want you to tell me, look at verse 8, two things that he commits to doing in this confession that he has with Jesus. Someone give me one of them. The first one that's mentioned. Lincoln. Before that, what does he say? Sorry. He doesn't say give. He says sell, right? So he says sell half the goods. And the second one, I already gave it away. It's give. So he says, I'm going to sell half my goods and give it to the poor. And I'm going to give back to those whom I've stolen from. And I'm not just going to give back to them what I owe them, but fourfold or four times the amount. Now, let me ask you, was it Jesus? Did Jesus ask him to do this? What do you guys think? No. There's nowhere that it says Jesus asked him to to do this. This was something that Zacchaeus wanted to do. See, this is a sure sign of repentance. Now, him selling and giving, did that that bring Zacchaeus personal salvation? No, we, we, we know it. It's not by works that we are saved. But it's interesting because do you know the story of the rich young ruler? Right? Jesus told the rich young ruler, you got to sell half your stuff. And Jesus said that to him because he knew that he would have put his money over Jesus. And that was in between them. But for Zacchaeus, he didn't ask him anything. This was something Zacchaeus wanted to do. It is a sure sign of true repentance. If you're taking notes, I want you to note down that true repentance is always confession followed by a commitment, okay? It's a confession followed by a commitment. It's not only this confession of I've done wrong, but I'm going to, I'm going to do what I need to do to right the wrongs that I have done. John the Baptist said that we must bear fruits worthy of repentance, And you won't know, though, true repentance in someone's life until you see the fruit of their confession and commitment. But this is a sure good start for Zacchaeus. Luke chapter 3, John John the Baptist was baptizing people, and he said, you you got to bear fruits worthy of repentance. And it's interesting that some tax collectors came up to him, and they said to him, teacher, John the Baptist, what shall we do? And so John the Baptist says to them, collect no more than what is appointed you. You see, following Jesus and having an encounter with him should cause us not only to confess him as Lord, but to commit to doing the things that he's asked us and told us to do. This is a genuine encounter with Jesus. This is what it produces. Repentance that leads to real change and real transformation. And we see then that Jesus has the final word. Look look there at verse 9 and 10. Jesus has the final word in this story. Jesus responds to the complaints and Jesus's and uh, the confession that Zacchaeus made and he says today salvation has come to this house because he being Zacchaeus is also a son of Abraham. And so we find that this man of short stature but high wealth, this man who pursued Jesus but had an interesting occupation, 
as a result of this pursuit, this response, and this repentance, salvation was gained. And so Jesus calls, look at verse 9, Jesus calls Zacchaeus a son of who? Abraham, a son of Abraham. Now, this was true in regards to his heritage. He would have been related, in a sense, to Abraham. But it was also true spiritually speaking. You see, you, you and I, even though we are not Jewish, did you know that you and I, too, can become right sons of Abraham? Because we know it isn't about our blood, but the blood of Jesus. The Bible in the New Testament says this. And this is, you and, you and I are, are not Jewish, at least most of us. We are, right, what the Bible calls Gentiles. Galatians 3, 7 says, Therefore, know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. See, I think this is what Jesus was referring to. It wasn't referring to the fact that Zacchaeus was Jewish. That was obvious. He was already a son of Abraham, but now he was a true son of Abraham. You guys know the story, right? Or the, the song, Father Abraham, right? Has had many sons. The, the reason that we are one of them too is because of our faith ultimately in Jesus. Romans 4, 16 says, therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, that's Jewish, but also to those who are of faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. He says, salvation has been gained. But we've got to understand something. Zacchaeus wasn't saved because of who he came from, but because of who he came to. And I think this is something of a point of application for us. One must have a personal encounter with Jesus to receive his salvation. You might have a godly heritage. You might be son of whoever, but it doesn't matter unless you're a son of Abraham by your faith in Jesus. Zacchaeus wasn't saved because of who he came from, but because of who he came to, and that to that someone was Jesus. So finally, in verse 10, he, he closes with his ultimate mission. He says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. I love that at the end of it, it's all about Jesus. This story doesn't end with Zacchaeus. It doesn't end with those who complained. It doesn't end with a tree. It ends with Jesus, that he has come. The reason he came was to seek and to save. And so Zacchaeus' experience this salvation wasn't because he sought Jesus, but it was because Jesus first sought him. Listen, the Bible says in Romans 3 that none of us are good in and of ourselves. None of us seek God because we thought it was a good idea. I talk to you guys about this all the time. Jesus is the author. He's the initiator of our faith. We love him because he first loved us. The reason that it was even in, in Zacchaeus' heart to run and climb a tree like a little kid was because God was at work in his heart. It would have been the father who drew Zacchaeus to Christ. It was Christ who called him to come down from the tree. And so the question tonight is quite simply, when looking at a story like this, 
It's how do we know if we've encountered Jesus? This is it. You want to know how, how you know if you've truly encountered Jesus? You'll be changed because of it. It won't be forced, but you will begin to bear fruits worthy of your repentance. What you used to do will no longer be what you want to do. What you used to hold on to, you will give up freely. Listen, if you have never experienced the transformation of God, you have to ask yourself, have you, have you ever encountered Jesus? Zacchaeus wasn't forced to make these changes. He wanted to. And the only reason he wanted to, because the Holy Spirit was at work in his life. The question is, is have you encountered him? He has been pursuing each one of us. Tonight even, he is knocking at the door saying, I must stay with you. He would say, come to me, I must stay with you. The question is, have you let him in? I want to encourage and challenge you guys tonight to not wait one more minute. Jesus would tell you to come to him. May all of us tonight have an open door in our lives and, in a sense, climb down the tree in haste to meet with the living God. I want to encourage you guys tonight not to simply look in from the window, from the cold, but to come in and experience the goodness of God. Have you been a spectator or, or a participator? Are you just someone in the crowd or is Jesus coming to your house? Let's pray. God, we, we want to encounter you tonight. We know that, that our faith, though, of course, there is, there is Bible to be learned. There is doctrine to be understood. It is so much more than just learning that tonight as we approach the very throne room of God, as those on the worship team are coming up and preparing to lead us to your throne room, we can see you tonight. It was Isaiah who said, I see you high and lifted up. Woe is me for I am undone. God, we see these moments in the Bible where these men and women of God experience you. And they fall down. They, they have to take off their sandals in a sense because it's holy ground. God, you are amazing. And you're not just a God to be learned about. You are a God to experience. We know it's not about feelings and emotions but God, the joy of the Lord is real, we know. The peace of God is amazing. And we just want to sit at your feet tonight. We want to, to come down and we want to invite you into our lives because we know that is the best place for us to be, is to be with Jesus. And so though we don't see you tonight, we know that we can rejoice with joy inexpressible. No words can do it. No song can fill it. Full of glory. Knowing that one day we will receive the end of our faith, the salvation of our souls. We look forward to that day.
But for now, we're going to come to you. We're going to worship you. We want to encounter you. We want that transformation change to hit our lives. We don't want to be the same as we have been before. God, pull us closer tonight. Pull us away from who we were and closer to who you want us to be. God, we confess as John the Baptist said, I must decrease and he must increase. God, we, we must decrease tonight. And we ask you that you would increase in our lives. We want more of Jesus. Regardless of our past, we know that we can come to you. If Zacchaeus, this chief tax collector, can be changed in a moment, God, we know there's nothing in our lives that can hinder us, not our height, not, our, not the people in this room, not our past. And so we choose to run to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.